0: listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Todd Yuri here. Before you listen to the latest podcast, I want to tell you about the Avedum Health podcast series. Evadum Health identifies unmet needs and addresses them in a way nobody has with a portfolio of advanced safe product solutions across a broad range of health and wellness areas, including a well-known product that has supported the Pharmacy Podcast Network for some time, For your patients suffering with restless leg syndrome and muscle cramps, Theraworks Relief, I use this myself. The Avaidum Health Podcast series is a three-part series. Find it on Google by searching Avaidum, spelled A-V-A-D-I-M, Avaidum, and search Avaidum Health podcast. It's a really interesting discussion on non-opioid pain relief, which we all know we need more long-term non-opioid pain relief solutions. Check it out. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's entire library of content. And thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.
1: Here's the thing. You're busy, you're a professional, maybe you're a pharmacist, and you know you're capable of doing more, doing much more, and living a more organized, less stressful, purposeful, and freedom-driven life. Let's talk, let's share, and let's grow together as an industry, as healthcare providers, and as a better unified community. It may seem like some of these things don't easily fit together. After all, what do career coaching, marketing strategy, networking, and pharmacy have in common? Welcome to the RX Buzz. Your host is a pharmacist, a wife, a mother, an entrepreneur, and a proven motivational career coach, Ashley Clevens Hayes. This is the RX Buzz Podcast, a collaboration between RX
2: Ashley and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. What's up, RxBuzz listeners? Ashley here. And today I have my all-time favorite guest back with me, Dr. Beth Katie. What's up, Beth? Thanks for your time. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thank um, you so much
3: for having me back.
2: It's Yes, great. this is recording number two. I got so much great feedback about our – we had a really fun conversation a couple episodes ago, and um, I am bringing Beth back because she is the guru, the coach – of really how to get students to be, I don't know, how do you say it? More motivated? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Motivation. How do you talk about ambitious? uh, How do you teach ambition? How do you teach the philosophies of hard stuff like ambition and motivation and confidence and um, all the really the skills that that it requires to have a really elevated career? So today, Beth is back. And we are going to be talking about intrinsic motivation today. So very yeah. high, very very um, granular, specific topic. I don't typically do this with podcasts just because I, I tend to focus more on the people and kind of what you're doing in your career. But this is such a valuable topic in the sense of when people come to me and they're like, I want a new career. I want to pivot career. And they could, they could talk to me until their face turns white um, and they can tell me all their hopes and dreams. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to do it. You have to put the commitment in and you have to really put the work in. I say, I tell people it's like a part-time job, finding a new job. And I think where this starts at is really at the academic level. And this is where Beth can really chime in and talk about her expertise of what, what really the difference is between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So Beth? You want to tee us up? Yeah,
3: I'm. I'm ready. I'm all about it. Yes. So, so this, in order for me to start talking about intrinsic motivation and what it means and how it affects you and your job and me and my job, let me tell you a little bit of a story about how I kind of stumbled into this topic, and ironically, I extrinsically stumbled upon this topic. So. I don't know that I'd call myself an expert in intrinsic motivation. However, when I was in my PGY-1, I had a fantastic mentor on an academic rotation. So I worked with one of the faculty at the University of Kentucky College of Pharmacy. And working with her and a few of the other faculty and staff at the college, they were Getting ready to revamp the entire curriculum at UK. So, there's a lot of talk on why are we doing this, what are we doing, how are we doing it. <clears throat> and one of the major focuses was on developing a curriculum that focused on this intrinsic motivation or this self determination. Somebody put it on me during my rotation, They're like, Beth, you should do a talk on intrinsic motivation and learn about it and and relate it to what we're doing with this change in the curriculum. And I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> and I didn't quite feel the ownership of it. Like, why am I doing this? What's in it for me sort of thing. And I was very extrinsically motivated. So In order to understand intrinsic motivation, you kind of have to understand what extrinsic motivation means. So it's kind of like it sounds, intrinsic versus extrinsic. So an extrinsic kind of motivation is the type of thing where you're forcing someone to do something. Now, for me as a teacher, my standpoint, there are a lot of extrinsic motivators for my students, like... Getting a good grade, passing the class, getting a degree, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas the intrinsic motivation stems from what I've read, uh, it stems from this innate need that we've had as human beings, like from the time we're born. There's three basic focus areas that we are like I said, innately born with, and that's the need to feel competent, the need to feel related and the need to feel autonomous. Like we're owning something for our own sake, not because someone else tells us, Hey, this is very important. So when I was tasked with this, this task, like I said, of giving this presentation the motivation was very extrinsic. Like I didn't quite understand what was in it for me. I had no sense of autonomy. Like I felt like someone else was telling me to do something. But after doing a lot of the research, I definitely developed more of an intrinsic motivation towards the concept. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can use a lot of these principles in my classroom. I wasn't a teacher at the time, but obviously I knew I was going in academia, I thought I can use so many of these principles to motivate my students to learn more so than just, hey, you have to pass this class to get through pharmacy school.
2: Yeah. So tell us, okay, from your experience, why do you think it's important to be intrinsically motivated? Coming from the standpoint of
3: a faculty member, I only have students for four years and let's be honest, I don't even see them all four of those years. I get them for their infectious disease module. And if they happen to take my elective, that's even better. And then I get them for an APPE rotation. After those four years are done, there's, there's no more extrinsic motivation to get the grade. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's an extrinsic motivation. Like I got to make a paycheck But my job in those four years is not to extrinsically motivate them and say, you have to pass this class. It is trying to instill in them not just the competency, which is kind of what we focus on in education, but also the autonomy and that relatedness piece, like getting them to see what's the importance of all this and how can you take ownership of it and do a lot of learning once you're out of pharmacy school? Because let's face it, a lot of learning actually occurs after pharmacy school. And most of what we learn in pharmacy school is already
2: outdated by the time we graduate. So totally. I mean, okay, so let's talk about some of the principles of intrinsic motivation. And where do we even start with that? Yeah, so
3: ironically, when I had this extrinsic motivation put upon me to give this this lecture or this presentation to the faculty at the College of Pharmacy, I had no idea that it was gonna turn into it, okay. it actually ended okay. up turning into it turned into a thing. Yeah. It turned into my grand rounds presentation during my PGY-1 because I was so motivated by what I had learned and I felt the need to share it with everyone, not just faculty. You know, I felt that my co-residents could, could benefit a lot from this. So a lot of these like principles or some of the major takeaways that I took away, and a lot of this is related to teaching in the classroom, but I know a lot of listeners out there not only are doing their own teaching in the classroom, but they're doing a lot of teaching on, you know, appy rotations, whatever that rotation may be, or you're working with pharmacy students or pharmacy residents or any other type of learner. So a lot of things that I took away from learning about this intrinsic motivation is as one thing is, as much as I like to hear myself talk, and anybody who knows me is going to know this about me, a lot of instilling intrinsic motivation in learners is actually us as teachers not doing the talking. Let the students do all the talking so you can ask questions, but get them to explain their answers or their thoughts. Uh, Other things include, you know, telling people or telling students why you're having them do what you're having them do. Like, you know, a lot of people tend to think, oh, I have to do another journal club or I have to do another presentation. But if you explain to them the significance of why we need to be doing journal clubs and why we need to be doing presentations and focusing on our communication skills, that can give them a little bit more of the autonomy piece, like if they themselves understand why it's important. Uh, Other things like offering encouragement. It kind of goes without saying, but, you know, we have to make sure to really be encouraging to our students and our learners and, in your case, your clients or whoever you're working with, we really have to tell them, hey, you're, you're doing a great job. Yes, the expectation is for you to already do a great job, but I want to tell you that you're doing
2: a great job. So this intrinsic motivation, it's not really just about motivation and teaching. It seems so dynamic and so multifactorial in the sense of just how to be a, an encourager of someone's own individual thoughts and dreams and feelings. It's really not yeah. just about teaching someone how to be motivated. Yeah. It's really exactly. telling them that what they're, what they're, what they are intrinsically motivated about. We need to encourage them to be more excited about that.
3: Yeah. I, I feel like I'm in a, in a beneficial position because with my, and I always talk about students cause that's what I do, mm-hmm. but my rotation, my infectious disease rotation is an elective. So, already when students sign up for my rotation I'm at a benefit because they are already somewhat intrinsically mm. motivated to yeah. sign up for that True. but for for others out there who are listening you know you might be a required rotation or in another sense of the word whatever avenue you're working with learners or or clients or whatever but try to glean from your learners like what what their hopes and dreams are I know it seems a little cheesy but once you get out of them where their motivation lies then you can tailor your approach whether it's your approach to your your coaching sessions or whatever or my approach to my learners you know not everybody is gonna have the same learning experience and you have to you have to let your learners express
2: Their interests, and it's not just about
3: what I think is important for them to learn.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. And so, when you say letting them talk more and you doing less of the work and essentially less of the talking and then more of the talking, do students ask you a lot of questions about your history and like your background and how did you get to where you are today, or do they already know all of that?
3: I, when I first introduce myself to students, I do tend to give them my five or 10 minute elevator pitch and, you know, tell them about my history and how I got to where I am. Uh, A lot of students I've had come to me who, once they find that, you know, they think they like infectious disease, they will ask me a lot more questions about, okay, how did you go from A to B? Tell me more about that. So I do have a lot that come to me. Yeah. And ask those questions. I'm just
2: curious because I think students these days and in pharmacists in general, even when I go give presentations all over, a lot of people ask me questions about how did I get here? (laughs) And and you have a non-traditional path, like we talked about in the last recording, and I have a very unique non-traditional path. And so, but keeping the focus on them, but answering their question at the same time. Yeah. That's what I think I think I need to practice that more because yeah. it's so awkward when people ask me questions about me. I'm like, no, 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 it's not about me. It's about you. Yes. But the truth is, is how do you blend that as a, as a, I mean, from my standpoint as like a consultant or as like, you know, a, a strategist or as, as a advisor to the students at, at the school, how do I blend that? Because I think, you know, we all have different career paths and not one way is going to work for everyone. So while they're asking all these questions, how do you keep them intrinsically focused on themselves? That's my dog. Sorry, guys. Apologize. (laughs) I miss that dog.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I don't know. Some tangible recommendations. If you are like me and you notice that you do tend to talk a lot and dominate conversations, you could even set – a timer or something on your phone or your Apple watch and say, okay, if I've been doing the talking for, I don't know, name some arbitrary time, one minute, 30 seconds, two minutes, however long you think is important to, for you to, okay, it's time for me to stop talking. And now it's time for my learner or my client to start talking. You could, you could do something as small as that, like setting an alarm on your phone and saying, okay, now it's time for me to flip and ask them a question you know like you said everybody's journey is different and I'm forcing nobody to follow the path that I have it's almost impossible to for us to all mimic one another but just be cognizant of where can I slip in a question for them where can I get information from them just trying to keep the focus on the learner because you said your path is not their path
2: no, well, and everyone's path is so unique and different. Yeah. But in terms of teaching intrinsic motivation and instilling the philosophies, it just sounds like everyone is somewhat intrinsically motivated by something. Yeah. So how do we get students or, you know, learners or, you know, it doesn't have to be student. It could be a pharmacist that's 30 years out of school or a professional at any level. How do you get people to focus more on them and their intrinsic needs Versus external motivation, like oh, this person's doing that, so I should be doing that. Yes. Or yes. How do you How do you wheel that in? Million dollar question. <laughs> That's a million dollar
3: question. You really just have to. You have to get to know the person. One thing that I love about teaching is, and I don't know that every teacher out there does this, when I have a student that does come in to talk to me, they're like, hey, I have a lot of questions. I think I really like infectious disease. Can I come talk to you? The minute they sit down, I say, okay, you don't get to ask the question first. I want to ask you to tell me about you. Where are you from? What prompted you to go to pharmacy school? I admit there's a little bit of, a, of an ulterior motive because I'm also trying to get them to work on their elevator pitch for whatever future totally. thing yeah. they want to go after. But I really get to know my students and not just, hey, what questions do you have for me? That's not my style because I don't think that gets at understanding what intrinsically motivates them. So I always flip the tables right away. I say, what makes you excited? Why'd you apply to pharmacy school? What do you like to do outside of pharmacy? And what was it that clicked with you when you thought, oh, I like ID. I think I want to pursue this. So you have to flip the tables. When people come to you and ask you, oh my gosh, what you're doing is so amazing, how do I do that? Right. You immediately have to flip the tables on them, like you said, and say, yeah. oh, no, 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 it's not about no. me. What is it about you? So yeah. it's it, it seems clear that there's a lot of extrinsic yeah. motivating factors on people that might come to you or even people that come to me. Right. And it's like, well, it ain't
2: about me. Yeah. What's motivating you to get there? And I get so <clears> awkward <throat> about it too. I've caught myself. I'm like, uh, I mean, I don't. I we could talk about that and go back and you know read. I just like direct them to my blogs and I direct them to some of the podcasts. And I'm just like, um, it's about you. You know, let's talk about you because yes. that's what my business is about: supporting other people, or on your level and my level because I'm in academia now. Like, it's not about us. It's about the student. And keeping it student focused, but they are such like inquiring minds and it's great. But at the same time, it's like, oh my gosh, how do you blend that? But this is good. This is such good tips. So if, so if you were to like give another presentation on intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, what would be now that you're a couple years, you know, five years out from residency, what would be your topics now that you would talk about? Because you have this academic experience now. So what would that look like? I'm sure it would look different. If I,
3: like if I were to give this same kind of talk on intrinsic motivation, I don't know. There's a lot that would be similar. So my presentation style is very non-traditional, if you will. Like I prefer when I give a presentation, you know how a lot of people are like, oh, heaven forbid you ask your audience questions and you have people from the audience shout out answers. No, no, no. You have to stand up there and lecture for the entire 60 minutes. Yeah, that's sucks. first time you have a yeah. lot That is... Boring. Not me. <laughs> at all. So if anything, and I'm, I'm trying to recall my PGY1 Grand Rounds. I know I included some audience participation, but if anything, the more I give presentations, the more I have the intention of me doing less of the talking and the audience members doing more. Because I'm already intrinsically motivated to get up there and speak and talk about whatever I want. I already have it, but like you said, it's not about me. It's about whoever's in my audience and getting to know what motivates them. I don't care if I'm presenting in front of a room of 200 people. I still want to find a way to connect with my audience. Or if it's just that one student who's in my office, you know, it's, it's all about focusing on them. Now, at the end of the day, yes, I do have to spend some of the time talking and disseminating information, but really every single time I give a talk, whether it's a one-on-one topic discussion or whether it's in my class of, you know, 85 students, I'm always thinking, when can I ask them my next question? When do they get to do the talking?
2: When do I get to glean the information from them? (laughs) That's the best part of presenting. Um, I love doing, I was just at Medipreneurs and I did a workshop and it was awesome because I only had to talk for like 15, 20 minutes and then it was yeah. a workshop for the remainder. Yeah. I was
0: like, this is the best.
2: <laughs> this is awesome yeah. because it takes so much pressure off of the speaker and the person who's leading the conversation. It, it really gets them engaged in the philosophies of what you're trying to talk about and thinking, yeah. oh man, this is good. And another like...
3: During this presentation, and I'm sure we've all heard the statistics before, like the amount of material that learners absorb by listening versus actively doing, it's it's just outstanding. You know, if you lecture, they say students lose focus after literally 10 minutes if you're just doing the talking, but if you are engaging them and giving them a sense of autonomy, like, oh, I'm doing this for myself, then why not do more of that so why is it that when we get to these big conferences we resort back to okay somebody's just going to be talking at me for 60 minutes when we know oh the
2: attention stands, the wow. attention span doesn't change just for 30 a year old of a card you just called out all the organizations. no no yeah, no you did no. i'm going to call you out because you called them out and i am on board let's do this i'm on board They're,
3: Listen, there are a few, we all know that there are a few speakers out there that we hear that they do engage their audience and they are outstanding. I hope I'm
2: one of them. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. And I'm good. saying
3: <laughs> I, I am saying let's, let's let's facilitate more of that. Let's yeah. get more of those people For sure. And I know every learner is different. There are people, I know for a fact, I think one of them was one of my co-residents. He blatantly told me no, Beth, I actually learn better when I sit in a
2: room and passively listen to the professor teach. That's and I'm fair. like, okay, yeah. that's fair. And Chris is like, I don't want to engage. I'm going to sit in the back row, but I'm also going to get a yes. high grade in the whole entire class because I'm just friggin' smart. Hey, that's, that's because their
3: level of intrinsic motivation is so high it's <laughs> already.
2: It's are oh already God. there. I wouldn't even say that. Let's just talk about well, this topic because this could go really... <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh Chris, love him. Um, okay, Beth. well, great conversation. what's going to be our next topic? you're going to be like a frequent flyer Oh. On the man. Arms buzz because you, I you know I can talk fun. you know I can
3: talk about anything
2: I know, I know, but if you guys like today's conversation, um, we focus on really intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. That was the goal of the conversation. Now, whether or not we accomplished that goal, not quite sure, but we did talk about good stuff. Yes, we did. Very applicable things, I think. Agreed, agreed. Now, Beth Katie, it is always a pleasure to have you on any form of platform of Rx Ashley, but especially the podcast. You are always welcome here, and I appreciate your time, and I'm sure the audience took away some valuable key learning points of today's 20, 30 minute conversation. Thank you for your time.
3: Great. Love it. Love what you're doing and I support it. I'll come back anytime you'll have me. Thank you so much.
2: Yes. Okay. Goals. Have a great day guys. Take care.